So let's pray, shall we? Yeah. Father, just right now, we just uh, choose to be so aware of our connection we have with you. Mm. We, uh, we just keep in a place of rest in Jesus right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would enlighten us. Because my prayer for us is that while I'm talking, and ideally you're listening, that we would also be listening to the Holy Spirit. And what is he speaking to us today? So Holy Spirit, we just give you place. We just give you place. Amen. So, some of you um, may have remembered a series I did earlier on called The Trinity in Four Parts. And um, so, those thoughts came out of a journey that I was on, um, and that I'm still on, a journey that has been um, exploring who God is and who we are and what we have become partakers of uh, because of Christ. Small topic, eh? And in that process, I came across those great statements by Richard Swinburne, who says that a trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a relationship of love expressed in face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder. I love that, eh? Face-to-face is where they have intimacy. Shoulder-to-shoulder, they have partnership. And that we, as the people of the way, that's us, as the followers of Jesus, discover more about our life in Christ, that we would indeed discover more about how we participate in this relationship of Trinity. Because who knows that we're in Christ, and he's in the Trinity. And so we've been brought into this amazing relationship. And so my question is, how do we participate in that relationship? Um, Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live, we move, and exist. We live, we move, and exist. Powerful statement. You know, this section of Scripture um, shows the brilliance of Apostle Paul because when he's talking about this, he's actually talking to a whole bunch of people with a whole lot of different philosophies and views. That's the whole bit about the unknown God thing. So he's talking about all these diverse people from different ways of thinking, and he uses language that brings them to the the conclusion of Jesus. And we're going to explore that another time, but in him we live, we move, and we exist. And so then all this led me to what I shared about last time, and if you've took notes... Kevin, what did I talk about last time? Um, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Mentioned Jesus somewhere in there. Um, you know, it led me to talking about what I talked about last time, which is being a cruciform ecclesia. <laughs> of course, hey, that's what I shared about, yeah. The coming together, which basically means the coming together of the cross-shaped ones. That's us. 
the cross-shaped ones. We've been shaped and formed by the work of the cross through Christ. And it's true that as followers of Jesus, as people of the way, we gather together as the cross-shaped ones. And, you know, to be honest, really, we're, we're, we're all still in process. <laughs> Sometimes a bit of a wonky cross. But that's the journey, right? That's the journey to be in the process of becoming the Father's greatest thought towards us that we would look like, his son, Jesus. There's no greater goal. Now, to look like Jesus doesn't mean that we grow out our beards and wear loincloths or um, as you know, ancient artists would you know, put halos on the saints. <laughs> So you might, no. <laughs> it was Roger. Yeah. So this photo was taken by Vern. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a problem at home, Joe, with uh, Roger's halo? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. preaching's all about bringing the stuff to the surface so we can deal with it. <laughs> so to look like Jesus means that we live in a way, so it doesn't mean that stuff, uh, it's nice that you shine, Roger, but to look like Jesus means that we live in a way that honours the Father, that expresses and represents the, fa- the Father, His nature and His character, that expresses the relationship we have as a people who are hidden in Christ, a relationship of face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder. You know, it kind of makes you think what's possible, eh? What is possible for a community of believers? What if we, the church, the followers of Jesus, that's all of us, live in a way of passion and joy and unity and purpose and hope, um, you know, that we, so much so that we became those things, that we became this living invitation a living invitation into restoration, healing, transformation, and this abundant life. You know, um, John 10.10 says that these are the words of Jesus. The thief came only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. You know, I understand this to be the true human life. You know, what does it look like to be a restored humanity? So leading off this, I want to share a few thoughts um, out of one of my favorite letters, Philippians. And so we're going to be pulling some thoughts out of Philippians this week. And also you got the privilege of hearing more about it next week. Yeah. You know, just as a bit of a sideline, I, um, I would encourage you that when you read these letters in the New Testament, read them in their entirety, because we're basically reading someone's email. Like, these are letters to churches and individuals, and like, there's, there's context, and there's history, and the, you know, understanding the person who wrote it, and the person that's hearing it, all matters in how we understand it, Amen. And we can get so much more out of it. But also added to that, read this stuff with the Holy Spirit. He likes you. And he likes teaching us, amen? 
And so he likes you, he likes teaching us, why would we not want to read scripture with him? And so, yeah, anyway, so back to Philippians. Philippians is a fantastic letter. And I've used this before, the the language that N.T. Wright puts it in to, to describe Philippians, and he says that it's an invitation on how to think differently, how to think the messianic way, how to think the Jesus way, how, how we think about God, how we think about Jesus, how we think about the world, and how we think about ourselves. It doesn't leave much left, does it, really? <laughs> this letter, Philippians, really teaches us how to be the people of God in the world. So in brief, Paul, Paul is writing in response to the church in Philippi sending him a gift. And Paul's actually in prison um, for his faith at this time. And he doesn't even, um, you know, he doesn't even know at any moment he's going to be killed. You know, it wasn't uncommon if you got imprisoned uh, back then to have any formal proceedings. You might just be picked up off the street, put in, put in chains, and then left. You don't know when you're going to be hurt. You don't know when someone's going to bring you before, you know, a judge or anything like that. And you also needed outside support because, you know, you needed to be fed and watered if you wanted to live for any length of time. It was pretty miserable. But it's in this setting that Paul writes with encouragement and he writes with joy. In fact, joy is one of the the main themes being mentioned here throughout his letter. And so we have encouragement, we have joy, and another key thing that Paul talks about is fellowship. And I think, unfortunately, we lose something in our English translation of these words. You know, English is pretty poor sometimes with the words that we have. The, the full meaning of these words. See, fellowship is not some ideal concept, but it's something tangible. Fellowship is to be experienced, it's to be lived. And here's a deep thought. Are you ready? Fellowship is more than one. Fellowship is more than one. (laughs) (laughs) The The root meaning of this word fellowship being used here, is best described as this interactive relationship between God and believers who are sharing a new life in Christ. This interactive relationship between God, believers, between God, us, and all of us sharing this new life in Christ. Fellowship involves an active participation we're, we're to share in spiritual and material blessings. You know, um, the things that, that we get to contribute, we get to bring to the fellowship. And we can see this throughout the writings in the New Testament when the, the different ways of fellowship is being expressed. In Acts chapter 2, fellowship is used to describe the relationship amongst believers. In 2 Corinthians 9, fellowship is used to describe generosity within the community. And Paul uses the word fellowship to describe the way he personally identifies with Christ's suffering. 
Apostle John uses fellowship to describe what connects us to God and to each other through Christ. So this is what John writes. And this is 1 John chapter 1. And it's amplified, so good luck. So it's a bit wordy because it's amplified. I'm writing. Actually, why don't you just receive, like, shut your eyes, partner with the Holy Spirit right now. This is what John writes. I'm writing about what exists from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the one who existed even before the beginning of the world, Christ and the life. An aspect of his being was manifested and we have seen it as eyewitnesses and testify and declare it to you, the life, the eternal life who has already existing, who was already existing with the Father and was, already, um, and was actually made visible to us, his followers. What we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, that you too may have fellowship. You too may have fellowship as partners with us, and indeed, our fellowship, which is a distinguishing mark of born-again believers, is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things to you so that our joy in seeing you included may be, may, uh, may be, complete, may be, may be made complete by having you share in the joy of salvation. Wow. If you missed it, I have the Pete summary. So I give you the extended amplified version and then I'm summarizing it. Yeah. This is basically what he's saying. We proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship as partners with us. A fellowship that is a distinguishing mark of born again believers. Wow. A fellowship with Father and Jesus and with each other. Awesome, eh? You see, we're part of something great. We're part of something colossal. As, as individuals, as a local expression, which is us liberty, you know, and globally as the body of Christ, we're part of something great. And as great as this is, there's also this tension that we have to be okay with where we have to extend grace to each other in the process, amen, because we're all in transition. We're all in the process of transformation that each of us are on a journey of. And it gets messy. It gets difficult. It puts strains on relationships. But I love what Paul writes to them in Philippians 1.6. And he says, I'm sure of this, that he who have begun a good work in you, will bring it to completion. Bring it to completion. And I was thinking about this statement, and it got me thinking about Paul's situation. Like I said, he was in prison when he's writing this letter. And 
Paul's history with the church in Philippi goes back to the very beginning, the very foundation of the church. And you can read the story in Acts chapter 16. We can actually read the story of how the church started. And we find that Philippi is actually one of the first places, or probably the first place in Europe to receive the gospel. And Paul was there the moment the church started. He lived, he prayed, he cried, he rejoiced with the people in the city. He shared Jesus with them. He fellowshiped with them. And I want to propose the idea that while the present situation for Paul was not ideal and likely to be very fatal, he had no idea what was going to happen. He took time. He takes time to survey what God has done and what God is doing and what God is going to do. As he writes to this church, you know, I could just imagine him. And this is me thinking about, you know, trying to put myself in Paul's uh, shoes, sandals. <laughs> you know, it's like, what was going through his mind? I think, you know, as he's writing this, I could just imagine him reminiscing that first day he met a group of ladies down by the river. Actually, Paul, I think, would have probably taken it back a bit further because the whole journey for Paul and the other disciples was that it started with a vision. If you remember in Acts, you know, um, Paul has that man come to him in a vision from Macedonia and says, come and share the good news with us. Come and help us. And so they head off to the region of Macedonia, and that's how they find themselves in the city of Philippi. And so when they're in the city, the Sabbath day happens a few days later, and they, they go out to a river to find a place to pray. And that's when they come across this group of women by the river who had assembled there. And they, the, the women have their hearts open to the good news of Jesus. And they, they, they receive Jesus as their, as their Lord and they get baptized. And so we have this awesome journey that started with a vision to a group and then moves into uh, meeting this, this group of women and, you know, who are open to Jesus and Acts 16 also tells us that this is where Paul, he, you know, he gets into trouble for delivering that girl who was, you know, um, you know predicted, what is she? Um, she's the spirit of divination, I think scripture says, you know. He goes and delivers her and then he gets in trouble because her, she was a slave and so her masters aren't making any money off her now. And so they, they arrest them and beat them and throw them in prison. And then this is the story of when they're in prison and Paul and Silas are, are worshipping and the, the jailhouse opens, you know, and then the, the jailer gets freaked out and he comes and he gets saved, his household gets saved and he gets baptised. This is all the story of Philippi. So Paul, I believe, was reminiscing about this. Thinking about the freedom, the excitement to have lived in those moments. Those things are what God has done. But Paul would have been remembering what it was like to have been walking in that moment. Paul had sowed his energy and life into them. And now, all these years later, he's being blessed. He's being blessed by that same group. They're expressing generosity towards him. Not for the sake of the gift. It wasn't about the support he was getting. It was, it was their expression of love, their fellowship towards him. You know, it's almost like um, 
a father watching, I can only relate to being a father, um, watching your children grow up and watching them become mature, you know, and come of age and stepping into the world and becoming independent and carving out their, their life, you know, like the, the joy of that. Like on my phone, I've got a little widget that pops up and it shows me photos. I don't know, some of you guys might have that too. And the funniest photos pop up all the time. as like, ha, I completely forgot we did that, or we went there. Or, and, you know, and I can see this history of Jess growing up from when she was a baby to a toddler to you know, where she's you know, in the middle of her teens now. And it's just like, I, I recall those moments. And it just brings joy. You know, and so um, Paul, Lara, and Jess, we've got this shared album, and I keep sending them to the shared album, which probably drives them nuts, but it's just like these great photos. You know, one actually popped up just recently of me and my grandmother, who's, who turned 92 yesterday. Yeah, she's the last of my grandparents, and um, she's the young one. And, you know, it was just like what came up on my wall on my phone, photos of me and my grandmother. How awesome is that? And so I've got these memories that, that I've got that I actually, I walked in those moments. They were present for me at one stage, but now they're in the past. But boy, when you survey what has gone and where you are and the hope they have for the future, sometimes it just stirs that joy, hey, that joy. And so the church in Philippi started with a group of women and a couple of disciples. And then it jumps forward to the beginning of Paul's letter in First uh, Philippians. And it says, this is what he writes. So remember the beginning of the church, some women at a river, a couple of disciples. And he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every re- remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all, you, for, all, for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, and this is where he writes it, and I'm sure of this, that he who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul mentions overseers and deacons. The church had grown <laughs> from <laughs> some women at the side of a river, and now it's this church with deacons and overseers. The church had grown, and within that community had formed uh, roles and functions within that community. They, and, you know, Paul had, had heard the stories about what they'd been doing. And so, you know, he says, you've been active in the gospel from that very first day I met you until now. Can you imagine the, the joy that must have brought Paul's heart? And so I think that's why we see that joy and that anticipation of great things coming all the way through his letter. That he, whoop. That's the one. Nope. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Sometimes we just got to be reminded about that, amen? Sometimes when you're in the, in the middle of it, when you're in the present, you forgot what went before you and what's to come. You know, what really spoke to me here, what really gave me some encouragement is that Paul is, that Paul is in the middle of a terrible moment. Not just a bad day, but in the middle of awful circumstances where physical freedom has literally been removed from him by others. But he chooses to guard his heart. He chooses to guard his attitude. Um, and, he, and he stewards hope and joy by setting his mind and focusing on what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. And see, this line of thinking leads us to not just the works of God, but also to the nature and the character of God himself. And that as we set our, our minds and our hearts on him, we're reminded of this great fellowship that we're part of. A great fellowship that's greater than ourselves. It's more than the one. But here's the thing, it's more than the one, but it's also in that great fellowship of more than one, which the one finds value. It's where you actually find value as one in the body. That's a sailor right there. And Paul would go on to write in chapter 2. Yay. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. I think you just got to flick it through. Do nothing out of rival, rival squabbles or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. No matter the storm you're in, the valley, or the mountain, you know, whatever's going on, what cannot be taken from us is what we've been partakers of in Christ. You know, that's our job, to steward that of what we've, we've come into in Christ, what we've been allowed to become partakers of. We've been knitted into a fellowship of believers. So all of us are on a journey that's individual, right? But it's worked out in family. There is power in recounting the ways of God to restore our focus on the nature of God. There's, there's power in re, re, recounting his ways to restore our focus on the nature of God and this relationship that we have with him. And in that place, we're reminded of the freedom that we have you know, that joy and that hope of all that he has done, of all that he is doing and what he has set about to complete. That this Christ-likeness 
is being outworked in all of us. Amen? Yeah. I have, that's something to own, to believe that actually Christ is outworking something, or Christ-likeness is being outworked in me. And Paul continues in Philippians, have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. A fellowship-centric life is modeled by Christ. And we're going to talk more about that next week. So come for part two. But right now, let's just take a moment. Like, let's just stand so we're standing because, you know, you can have a stretch, but also it's about participating, amen? It's not like a model that when you stand, something happens. It's just like, let's just stretch and let's be active in this moment. And let's just recall... the good things that God has done. The great things that he's doing in our now moment, regardless of how the circumstances look. And the, the thing that he is going to be faithful to complete in all of us, that we would look like his son. And as we survey the past and the present and the future, let it remind us of this fellowship that we have with him and with each other. That we would be a, a company of believers who steward joy, who steward love, who steward hope. Because none of these things can be taken from us because our lives are anchored in Christ. Right now, I bless each and every one of you. With just a fresh revelation of this great body in Christ that you're part of. A fellowship that is more than one, but where the one finds value. I bless you. That he that has begun a good work in you is faithful and will complete it. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. got 10 seconds <laughs> um, we're going to have some people pray up the front here praying for you if you want some prayer um, but what a great day to have the board game card game afternoon amen where we can participate in each other's company and add value and beat other people in cards <laughs> yeah so bless you if you want prayer come at the front Otherwise, bless someone with you. Have a nice afternoon.